My name is Nancy Beecham. I am a compulsive overeater, a very happy, joyous, and free compulsive overeater who's learned to be quiet and talk to God. I always like to start every meeting, as those of you have heard me know, with our founder's favorite prayer. Happy moments praise God. Difficult moments seek God. Quiet moments worship God. Painful moments trust God. And every moment, thank God. And I'm coming to you tonight just miles away in the city of Los Angeles and West Los Angeles by the ocean where Roseanne walked the streets looking for another overeater. And this miracle happened in January of 1960. There's a founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. There's two, this is the co-founder, Bill Wilson. And he made a statement, a very famous statement. And he made it to Jim Willis, who founded Gamblers Anonymous. And our Roseanne found herself helping a friend because that's what she did. She sat home at night, watched TV and ate all night, waited for the next day, and she helped people, but she couldn't help herself. That anger that she had with her mother, that feeling that she was a nobody, although she was writing for Jack Benny, one of the most famous people of that era. And she was married to a lovely man who was an accountant and thinking about starting a family. They had moved to LA, a beautiful home, and that woman was just miserable. So she set about to help other people. And she went to this gambler's meeting to help her friend whose husband was literally selling the blood of their children so that he could gamble. And at that time, the saying that was said, when God can't come, he send someone else. And I guess my friends, at that point, I was over 300 pounds. I was five feet one. I was very troubled. I had rolled dope across the border with horrible people because I was so lonely, the kind of loneliness that only an alcoholic compulsive over person with a personality that's so twisted can know. I don't wish upon the loneliness of this disease of overeating on anybody. And I had these two little kids. By the time I got to OA, they were seven and nine and totally destroyed in body, mental and soul by the abuse they took from having me as a mom. And one of them has not talked to me for over 25 years because she just is not able to forgive. And I was living with a man who was my first husband who was beating me on a daily basis. And every time he left, I thanked him for coming back. And I took those babies and threw them in a car and went looking from bar to bar to find this alcoholic wife beater because my mom had told me I was programmed. I was programmed with all these ideas that once I got into recovery had to be deprogrammed year by year and step by step. But I was mostly full of shame and full of rage and full of resentment, but something miraculous happened. I guess that God, that God that when he can't come send somebody else, thought I had suffered and struggled enough. And he opened those pearly gates and he dropped down to where I lived, people on a path that I could follow. Old timers who had put down rocks and formed a path that I just had to step in. If only I was willing to stay in recovery 
and every day to seek God and every day try to be a better person. Because this is a program, you guys, has to be done every day. Because recovery to me, what I've seen in these 45 years is like snow in a heat storm. It just can melt. You know, I don't know how many of you have ever climbed a hill. It takes forever. But in one wrong look and one wrong action, one failure to feel a resentment and grab a pencil and paper, one failure to call your sponsor every day, one failure to not eat what's on your food plan, and you can fall down that hill and never get back. And I have gone to so many funerals in this program. I went to one last week. And it's so sad to tell you there's so few old timers in this program. So what I'd like to concentrate on today is the miracles of how the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous via Alcoholics Anonymous have lifted me up. And now they have taught me to have a home. Now I wanna tell you this didn't happen at 15 years or 20 or 25, but at 45, it has happened. Nobody comes into this home who's disrespectful. Nobody gets to have lunch with me who's not kind and loving. And if they wanna scream and complain, they get three minutes. Actually, here's the egg timer Roseanne gave me before she died. Nance, when the people in the program call you and they don't ask who you how you are after three minutes, you tell them you changed your sheets and tell them what color they are. And you ask them, you know, you give them the name of a hundred people they can call because you're not here to chat. You're here to get well. And you're not going to let that toxicity into your life anymore. You don't have to live with that. And I have to tell you, when my granddaughter, who I did not know, showed up at 17 a few years ago, first thing she did was go in my closet to see if there were any drunk men because her mom told her that's how I lived. And she walked around and said, my God, you're a tiny person and you live in this beautiful Playa Vista with trees and animals and birds. And, and I wouldn't know you from what I was told you were like. And that is the truth. We become the old life dies and we become somebody new simply by working these steps of recovery. So I think what's so important for me to share with you is a little bit about the steps. And I don't have time in this short time. So I'm going to read you a poem that a mentor of mine wrote who I adore. I took step one and I began to moan because I was new. I can't do this one on my own. I took step two. I began to pray. Restore me, God, please now today. I took step three, gave up my will. Maybe God could love me still. I took a fourth to look inside, nothing more will I hide. And on the fifth, I said aloud, I've done some wrong and I'm not proud. I took step six and got prepared to lose those defects and oh, I was scared. Now I'm at seven, take them away. My God, for this I do pray. And on eight, the list was long, amends to make for all the wrongs. I took step nine, put down my pride. Amends made, I will not hide. Step 10, I take each day, I pray. I make amends along the way. And on 11, I pray to know each day his will, which way to go. I take step 12 and I'm like a bird. To others now I can spread the word. 
And I will tell you, you cannot get paid when one day your doorbell rings and a little girl has slept in her call all night to ring your doorbell and ask for help. Who'd you speak 10 years ago? Because she's living with a man who's not treating her well. And she doesn't believe that it can change. Or somebody who has a boss who's not kind to them. They're so afraid to go. Because when you leave something, you are in the doorways. And for this overeater, that people, places, and things in my life, they all had to change. And this is just my experience. So I want to start with one thing, because I noticed there's a few new people and you say, isn't this about food? Why is she talking about people, places, and things? So I'm going to show with you my solution. This is a cooler. And in this cooler, I always carried a can of tuna and string beans. So I have here now, because I'm on a salt-free diet. If you think eating shower, sugar and no, no sugar and flour is hard, you try no salt. And this is a can of tuna and a can of string beans. And when you get serious in those days, you gotta have a can opener. But now they got these pop-up things and a little thing of sugar-free applesauce. So wherever I go, and I always load up every day, no matter what I'm doing, if I'm going to the gas station, if I'm going out for the day, if I'm going to the doctor, I make sure that I am safe. Because once my abstinence is set and prioritized in the morning, I know I have a chance for a good day. And therefore, I can't go to an event and say they didn't have food for me. And you know what? If the people at the table get upset because I order a salad and pop that tuna in, so be it. But it'll be a hot day in hell before I'll eat that spaghetti that they're serving at that banquet. Because it's probably not what I called it. And for each and every person, there's a different thing, but I am a hundred pounder and I had to call somebody every day to give them my food. I had to begin to become accountable. And I couldn't care about anybody or anything because I was so jealous and angry. And I knew that when I started to call people every day and people called me, I started to worry about them and wonder what happened. And these miracles started happening, but I didn't know. And you know, the joke is when you lose a hundred pounds, you go to Disneyland and you're afraid to go on the ride. Because that memory of that day when they said to me, how much do you weigh? Because there's a limit here, would never go out of my head. But the people in Overeaters Anonymous went with me the first time. It's like when I got a bathing suit, I went to the beach and I discovered there were people. And, and I really didn't look that bad, but not in my eyes. So the girls from our 100 pounders meeting in LA came with me and they formed a circle. So I could get on that beach and little by little, they dissipated away and I was home free. But you have to ask. And I learned something. You can sit in those meetings for, from the morning till night. And if you don't say, I need a bed, like I did a, about a month ago, I'm really in trouble since my mastectomy. It's really been hurting me on my side. And I got to tell you, this was a very large meeting as we have. And the girl stands up and what do you think? Her ex-husband owns one of the largest bed factories in Los Angeles. And the new bed is in my bedroom right now. And, you know, this is the kind of miracles, you know, the kind of things I needed another job so desperately. And again, I was at, it all started when I went to Hearst Castle from Los Angeles. And I'm in the line. And these were the days where they didn't have anything to drink. And, and it, you know, and they didn't have any locale food. And, but they did have a thing called, I think it was, I forget what it was. It was a fresco or something. And um, this girl came out and said, I saw you at the meeting a week ago. Would you like a diet drink? 
And, and these are the God shots. These are the miracles. I thought if I worked the steps and I did well, I would meet men that would take me to Europe for breakfast every Sunday. And I would always get a parking space and I wouldn't have to pay my mortgage because didn't the bank know that I was abstaining on Overeaters Anonymous? And because you guys told me I was terrific. But the Nancy, real world 10 minutes. 10 didn't minutes. really care. The real world just wanted me to be a wreck. You know, the things that I worked very hard to do were things that we're just supposed to do. We're supposed to do the right thing. And supposedly that's what Overeaters has taught me. And that truly is about what the concepts of Alcoholics Anonymous being founded on. And there are principles in every step. And I hope that you get to know them and that you get to write about them. The principles are about honesty and hope and trust and courage and integrity and willingness and humility and self-discipline and justice and perseverance and spiritual awareness. And what does this have to do with Overeaters Anonymous as a newcomer, you say? Well, the truth is I was full of poison. I was full of ideas about myself that I found out really were true, but it wasn't easy changing. It was a very rocky road and it took a very long time because I used food to cope. And my problem, my problem was never that I was a compulsive overeater. My problem was that I was a nervous wreck and that I couldn't live in this world with uncertainty. I, that's why I believe the world's falling apart during the pandemic, because people are asked to stand still and to be quiet and to live with uncertainty and just behave. And I had to be taught. And I will tell you, I know all the old timers, we're just having a ball during this pandemic. We're cutting back on our food and we're meeting people and we're on Zoom all over the world. It's just such a wonderful time to go within and learn more. And this is a program that teaches you at 60 years old, you can become a lawyer at 70, you know, you can face anything. And I talk about things that happened to me, like being beaten up by a man, you know, by having my mastectomy, like somebody else says, pass the salt and pepper, because here's the good news. Every bad thing that I ever did could get turned around to help somebody in Overeaters Anonymous walk through it a little faster. How my parents died when I was very new in program and how hard that was. And about what it was like, you know, to have these little children who you knew you were hurting that I punished them so that they wouldn't go to the beach or they wouldn't go to parties so one more kid wouldn't laugh at me again. And the bullying that a hundred pounder gets as a child, it's something again, I wouldn't wish on the soul. But I believe that if I coast in this program, the promises, well, they just won't happen. It's on page 84 and 85, it says, if you do these first nine steps, you will walk through an arch of free man. And I have to tell you, you go into the sunshine of the spirit. And we are all obsessed right now with emotional sobriety. There are so many millions of workshops. And I must reiterate, in my days, as Bill mentioned, the alcoholics spoke at our meetings for the first 15 years. And I'm so glad for that. They took their problems to their sponsor and their solutions to the meetings. And the meetings were all positive pitches and they were full of people abstaining. And if you would be so kind and you're new, I hope to God in our textbook, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, you do not skip the doctor's opinion. It is everything. The doctor's opinion states, if you are not completely abstinent, completely abstinent, you cannot work these steps. The reasoning 
is that you can have all the willingness you want, but you will have no clarity. And the clarity comes by putting down that fork and by eating in a disciplined manner what's healthy and will food, if you look it up in the dictionary, may shock you. If you write a few paragraphs about what it means to you, like comfort and calm, and I do not adore food and I don't even like food anymore. I went around the house and I named, because I had the children in the house. So the Girl Scout cookies were rat poison and the bluebird candy was uh, Clorox soap. And I don't eat Clorox soap and I don't eat rat poison. So they weren't for me. And I had a time that I ate, you know, breakfast was from six to 7.30. And if I got to work and there were donuts, I was like the little zoo animal. It wasn't feeding time in the zoo for Nancy. So I didn't get to eat, you know, I ate at my purported times and I needed every trick I could get. And I think Overeaters Anonymous and a food sponsor offers you that. They offered you gentle eating. I got to do a long stint for many, many years in an eating disorder hospital, one of the first as a counselor. And I learned about gentle eating and I learned about leaving food on my plate and using a small plate. There's a lot of tricks here that we can learn from each other that are healthy. We don't have to learn here from each other how to be miserable and talk in the meetings all about our problems. I like to get up and say, this is happening to me who's got a solution and sit down and not fill the airs full of negativity. And so I implore upon every one of you and I tell every one of you that this is a human condition to wanna to be special. And I think everybody who's in these rooms, who's in a square tonight, you're special because you've come here to try to achieve something that seemingly by the medical world is absolutely impossible. And I think that the 12 steps produce a spiritual awakening. You know, it changes and eventually kills your old life. I can no longer be in control. I have to become really used to uncertainty. And the goal here is to be at peace and to stay in my own hula hoop, to mind my own business to know that I can always ask for help. Do you guys know that peace in Greek means to join or to bond together? Well, it means to join or bond together with that which is separated. So what we're doing is we're joining and bond together a whole bunch of separate people to strengthen each other. So we must be in the middle of the herd. We must just be another bozo on the bus. And one of the greatest things I learned when I was new is actually to be a worker among workers. I had a great job at Los Angeles Magazine in advertising and their theme was eat, drink and use. And my sponsor told me, oh no, I needed to become a receptionist from nine to five. And it was like, how will I support the kids? How will we survive? And, and nobody's gonna ever love me, I'll always be alone. And I kept meeting guys at the coffee pots at, at the program meetings and bringing them home to be their new father. And I wondered why they never appreciated it, you know? And I did ridiculous things in sobriety and out of sobriety. When you took away my bread and you took away my carbs, you took away my arms and legs. Food, I believe, kept me alive. So I had to substitute somebody else, something else. And to the newcomers, that's what happens here. You learn to substitute the most amazing things to be able to ask ourselves, are we better today because we're a member of Overeaters Anonymous? And if the answer is yes, it's a good thing to say. And I ask myself that every day. Am I better today than I was 
on June 27th, 1976, am I a little bit better? That's my yardstick for the fact that I'm recovering, not what anybody else in the world is doing. And I've learned that action comes before knowing and obedience comes before believing. I learned not to rush, that I had plenty of time. As no one seemed to graduate from Overeaters Anonymous, it must become a way of living. And again, this is a freedom and I'm gonna jump up here. I love the girls in OA during the pandemic that brought me Play-Doh and little toy instruments and brought me spiritual coloring books because that's how I got through it by playing. And, and I, you know, I have always volunteered in kinder. That's how I make my amends to my children. And I had a mom that has Alzheimer's who was really mean and nasty and it started to just drive me nuts. And I made her a conservator of the court. And I gave up all her money. And I think it's again about doing the right thing. You know, the city of Los Angeles has a very big event on the 4th of July. It's in the park and it's actually because it's not in the park in the beautiful area, it's just like another big meeting. But we also have one of the largest meetings that OA has called Serenity Sunday. And nobody wanted to speak at Serenity Sunday. They all want to speak at the big meeting because they get a lot of attention and appreciation. And when they called me, you know, I said, I will step down because I have to do the right thing. And that's what this program has taught me. Doesn't matter if I speak to one person one-on-one -on -one anymore. It's just the chance that you get to touch somebody's heart and you can't get paid for that anywhere in the world. But I think the 12 steps produce a spiritual awakening that just for me, makes me finally get quiet. You know, it makes me kind of feel as if I can survive and I can do anything. And I understand now there's a lot of sadness in looking at yourself. And if you're in your first year, your first five years, I think for 10 years, you're a newcomer. And I think in the beginning, if you don't feel awful, you're probably not working the steps very hard. Because looking back at the things you did and you didn't do and what you allowed obesity to do to you, it's a terrible thing. But you know what? We uncover, discover, and then we get to live our life. And that's the thing here. We don't have to stay in that dreaded, horrible feeling about feeling bad all the time. I think it kind of boils down. 20 minutes, down. Nancy. Okay. 20 minutes. Okay. To carry the message and to have love and tolerance in all your affairs. And I think that's not an easy thing to do. So I want to share a couple of things. I've got a couple of minutes. Because I came in here with a lot a lot. This is the definition of excess that was handed down to me by Roseanne, our founder. To laugh often and to love much. To win the respect of intelligent people and the affection of children. To earn the appreciation of honest critics and endure the behavior of false friends. To appreciate beauty to find the best in others. Maybe you can raise a healthy child or just even have a beautiful little garden patch to help the world or get involved in redeeming a social condition. But to know that even one life has breathed easier because you have lived. This is the 12 step definition of success. And I think that every one of us tonight has a chance to call another human being in Overeaters Anonymous and just ask them how they are. 
no matter how miserable we feel and how much we want to complain. And according to our founder, then we'll all have a chance to be a success. There is nothing like seeing somebody go down an aisle who thought they had no chance of ever being in love. There is nothing like seeing somebody grow a garden who used to fail at everything. There's nothing like seeing somebody who couldn't sit still, who was always irritable and restless and content, get great joy out of reading a novel. You know, and what happens in Overeaters Anonymous is that I threw away my camera because everywhere I went, I didn't see what I saw or hear what I hear. When a man would tell me you're too fat to, to be with, I would say he's having a bad day. You know, when my boss told me you're too fat to take lunch breaks, eat your Cheetos at the desk, I just said, thank you for letting me have a job because I honestly believed. And I hope for each of you that you'll get to the point where these three things will permeate you. And to my newcomers, I wish to you that one day you will be able to say, I am whole, I am complete, I am perfect. Because that's what Overeaters Anonymous does. It takes a person like me who couldn't survive without shoving things in their bodies or doing things to hurt themselves and to hurt others. And now I get to see you walking across the street and I don't have a giant coat on to hide and I don't have to run to the other side of the street because I'm so embarrassed that you're gonna have to introduce your mom or your partner or your children or your friends to me because I saw myself as not whole, not complete and not perfect. I saw myself as so defective. And I am so proud to say as this 44th year, 45th year of recovery begins for me that I do not feel like that anymore. And I know when somebody's being respectful because I can hear what they're saying because God has come into my life. And I have a sponsor now after Roseanne died, it was very hard, who's very kind. She was a writer for all the Los Angeles Times and a professor of journalism. I didn't know anything about who she was, but her husband was dying. Her husband of 31 years of Alzheimer's for about six years. And she walked this sweetheart of hers through everything and never gave up being for him, even when he was cruel to her. And when he passed away, my thinking was, because my thinking will always be a little stinking. My thinking was, well, now she'll have time for me. And somebody said, don't tell her that, you know? But the truth was, we sat yesterday on my birthday and no longer did I need to have a party with a thousand people and have all the recognition, but we sat on the water among the boats where I think God must sleep at night because it's so quiet and so beautiful. And we sat there and ate steamed vegetables and brown rice and, and we just talked. And she talked a lot to me about her childhood and her first two marriages. And, and we just shared. And I felt as if God came down and put his hand on me and said, the rest of your life is gonna be okay. And you know, I am suffering from some horrid medical conditions because when I was 33 and I got here 45 years ago, you know, I had done great things to my body by 33. I already had congestive heart and fatty liver and it went away, it dissipated, but it does come back as you age. And I'm working as much as I can in clinical trials at Cedars and St. John's, helping everybody I can. Because the truth is that with the type of eating we do and I'm doing yoga 
three times a week and all kinds of exercises that's appropriate. Obviously, I have a lot of energy for my age. And Overeaters Anonymous, it just brings you back to life if you let it, if you accept the fact that you're well, if you accept the fact that I will always, I have recovered from wanting to overeat. I've recovered from food One being day, my Nancy. God, but I will always be recovering from the mental obsession. I will always think things that really need to be checked out. So today at 45 years, I have my food for the, ready for the next day, the night before. I cook on Sundays, a whole lot of chicken breasts or turkey patties. I have it all. Salads are always in the refrigerator. So there is never an excuse. Because when I go to bed at night, if I know I have abstained, I know that I have done the best I can for myself. And at last, at last, I pray for every one of you that someday you will live somewhere where you have a chair and that chair looks over to some trees and you can just sit there for a long time looking at the different colors of the leaves and looking at the waving of those trees and feel the peace and the calm that I never knew was possible. So to each and every one of you, I just want to remind you that you are a success because you can look in the eyes of somebody in this program and help them and watch them change. Thank you so much, Nancy, for becoming my new friend over Zoom, you know, and what a miracle that has been. And to each and every one of you, just follow the stones that we have laid down. And whatever you do, don't walk away because of all the people I do most Almost all of them never get back. And I haven't met one yet that said they had a good ride. Thank you. 